0: This is Unfiltered, episode 263 for December 13th, 2017. This is CNN, breaking
1: news. A CNN exclusive in the Russia investigation, an electronic trail has emerged showing a possible attempt to share hacked WikiLeaks documents with the Trump campaign. Let's get right to CNN's Manu Raju with these breaking details. Manu, what have you learned?
2: Well, John, Donald Trump, his son, Donald Trump Jr., and others in the Trump Organization, they received an email in September 2016 offering a decryption key and website address for hacked WikiLeaks documents. Now, this is according to a September 4th, 2016 email provided to congressional investigators by the Trump Organization.
3: filter fans welcome to the very last show of 2017 oh you have me going (laughs) oh yeah happy holidays merry christmas merry kwanzaa happy new year all those things wrapped into one tidy little package hopefully you got your stuff like you know your gifts I
0: gift, like to do it the last minute, you know, get that last paycheck in there. <laughs> you know,
3: we already got our gifts. You know why, Chris? Hmm. Because the lovely patrons out there who support our show—that's the gift. That is that keeps on, except giving. for this week. Well, but other. The good than news mostly. is mostly the good news is patrons trying to do an about yeah. face. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll talk about that later but, on. Yeah, we will. But we and, have a
0: lot to woo! do today. Yeah, this is our last show of 2017, and barring. Barring some major, major news <laughs> I've been calling this the last planned show that,
3: you Of know what, 2017 That's a good yeah. way put yeah. it
0: So we're going to get into some cyber today A couple of interesting stories there Big developments in the Russia investigation we'll be covering yeah. A fake news category that It's back, Chase Fake news, the 2017 meme that never died And we're going to go out with yeah, a little ne- fake news It never news. left, man Nope and of course, of course, it's time for the unfiltered show. Of course, of course, it's time for the unfiltered show to talk about your good buddy,
3: my friend Roy Moore.
0: And no, 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 no. Walked into that right, one. I,
3: I tell you what. I tell walked me. into he, that he one. He is not my friend as much as Adam Schiff is your friend. Oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> uh,
0: and then uh, we got a little world news, and then we're gonna talk about uh, Trump. And, um, what we're going to
3: talk about Trump on this episode? Maybe
0: he has a medical condition. I mean, we talked about it with
3: Hillary. You know, it's only fair we talk about it with Trump. And, and to be fair, you know, I mean, he made fun of Hillary so much about the water thing. And then it's like, no, that his, was
0: little Marco, I think. That was little Marco he's making well, fun of. Oh, it was
3: Marco. Yeah, yeah, little Marco. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Remember little Marco? That's right. And then we're going to wrap it all up on a high note. And then we have an overtime um that actually it's it's it 's to go it 's going to go a little long because we've got some stuff we got to go into we got some stuff we got to go into chase wow you want to kick it off with some cyper you know a s l all right buddy so uh right now, as we record this show, there is one huge elephant in the room. And no, it's not leaving. You're welcome. Keep what? an eye on him. I think he's over there chewing on a cord.
3: You know what? I think he's chewing on your lamps right now. He's going to take down the studio. Okay, good, good.
0: <laughs> good boy. Um, <laughs> but no, that's not the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that tomorrow is supposed to be the big net neutrality uh, vote. Uh...
4: Stir that in. and now I'm gonna Laura Vitali hosts a popular cooking show on YouTube with nearly 3 million subscribers. But these days, she and her husband Joe see a looming threat.
3: I've literally lost sleep over the possibility of net neutrality. Can we, can we hold for a minute? Yeah. Did you see that setup?
0: Yeah, that's pretty sweet, wasn't it? Holy that was, crap! That was pretty high end setup. Yeah, that is. That I mean, is.
3: I mean, they I should. Mean, I, mean, I mean, first off, this guy is running. Uh, uh, that looks. That's Wirecast. It's definitely Wirecast. Yeah, that's Wirecast. Uh, Pro, Wirecast, Wirecast Pro. Wirecast Pro. Pro. And then he's running secondary. I mean, he's got and he's lighting got in there. Yeah, and then, he's got a camera. And he's running it from like a separate room production yeah. booth. Yeah, yeah. Holy behind crap. glass. Now, wow. I,
0: also, I also will say this: uh, yeah. there is a certain irony. Because uh, people on the YouTube platform are probably going to be better served by by this because YouTube and Google are going to sign big fatty deals. They're going to put boxes and ISPs the youtubers and the netflix of the world are going to be fine no no, no it's you, the jupiter broadcasting and geek gamer tv that you
3: you need to modify that it's the established youtubers it's the established right, people right right so she has 3 million subs yeah she's going to be fine but someone who's going to try to get started maybe but push do you see them. what i'm saying yeah. like there's
0: this fundamental disconnect the totally. media doesn't understand this issue and even these youtube creators who are losing sleep over this problem don't really understand it like if no. you're distributing on 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 youtube.com you're not You're not at risk of this. It's a much bigger issue than that. And it almost undersells it because it it makes it sound like Google is going to get extra fines. And it makes it sound like that YouTube will have to pay extra money and Netflix will have to pay extra money. And people watching this are going to hear that and go, well, who the fuck cares? Those guys are rich. I don't give a shit if they have to pay a little bit more. They spy on me all the time anyways. Mm Mm-hmm. But if if you knew that a small business, an independent operation, a mom and pop shop, is trying to get off the ground and they're getting the butt wiener, then maybe you would have a different opinion. But that's not the story they're portraying here.
3: I've literally lost sleep over the possibility of net neutrality being um, taken away.
5: I'll be
4: really your risk of going out of business. So what's the concern? And what is net neutrality? Say you're craving a pizza <laughs> after seeing Laura's creation. Uh, yeah. You pick okay. up the phone and order from your favorite local spot. Right. Now imagine if your phone company redirected
0: you to Domino's because it... That's not a good example either. That's a terrible example. We're not talking about traffic redirection. We're talking about traffic prioritization. We're talking about, like... The better example would be redo this and say... Yeah, let me
3: ask you this. That it's really slow could, to go to the competing they, pizza place. Could they redirect you? I mean... The... the Mr. Pai is saying, you know, as well, long as, as long as the ISPs are transparent in what they're doing, it's a, it's okay. All right, fine. I'm Comcast. You're gonna get redirected to Domino's. Any pizza site you're going to, you're gonna to go to Domino's. I
0: suppose if, it's you legal had it, if I told you. If you had a free tier or something, maybe something like that, you know, a free tier. Uh, just a banner ad of Yeah, I don't know. It to me though, this the, the issue again of net neutrality isn't so much about redirecting traffic, it's more about yeah. prioritizing yeah. and entrenching established businesses. Yeah.
4: And what is net neutrality? <laughs> Say you're craving a Pizza after seeing Laura's creation. You pick up the phone and order from your favorite local spot. Now imagine if your phone company redirected you to Domino's. And another because-
3: thing that said calling. Yeah. yeah. So they wouldn't
0: redirect your phone call. No, they're just trying to make a bad analogy, but they're falling it's down. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. almost like Comcast has a motive. I mean, NBC. Oh, oh I mean, oh, wait, same company. Oh, same. Oh, do they mention that, by the way? Uh,
3: NBC I don't think, uh, Comcast I don't think so. is a blah, 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 blah. Because it
4: had a special deal with Domino's, or if your phone provider charged you extra for calling your favorite spot. Phone companies must stay neutral. That gets a little bit closer to the problem. Internet service providers under current net neutrality rules. They can't block you from watching Laura on YouTube or charge you extra for binging on Netflix. But all that could change on Thursday.
0: The FCC is voting to undo its net neutrality rules, which are a set of regulations for Internet providers that um, currently prohibit them from blocking websites or slowing them down.
4: Internet providers like Charter, AT&T, Cox and NBC parent company Comcast would have the ability to build fast lanes and slow lanes on the Internet.
0: Now, that is sort of what the people are primarily concerned about. Uh, and, And I think the meta issue that they're trying to get at is a tiered Internet system where you have to pay more to get access to Netflix and YouTube.
4: The five FCC commissioners are expected to vote three to two along party lines in favor of the proposal put forth by President Trump's FCC commissioner, Ajit Pai. Pai wants to roll back Obama-era regulations of Internet providers, saying the federal government should stop micromanaging the Internet.
0: Could you see Internet providers offering packages of certain services? So if you want the social media package, maybe you pay extra for that. Maybe you have to pay extra to access Netflix. All of these, again, are very speculative, hypothetical examples. Um, But, you know, in theory, they would be legal and perfectly acceptable.
4: Supporters of the proposal, including industry lobbying group U.S. Telecom, promise consumer fears are unfounded.
6: Consumers care that their content isn't blocked, their content isn't throttled. Those principles existed before the current rules, and they're going
3: to exist after. Can we talk about we will see. the torrent situation see. back in the... Uh, yeah, that is the
0: go-to. We shall uh, see. I feel like in whatever. part this is, um, it's already a lost battle because I live with this every single day in my RV. I have a MiFi that I have, well, I have four MiFis. I have a primary MiFi that is an old grandfathered AT&T that's always the one that's on all the time because it's unlimited data, except for Anything after 20 gigs gets throttled to near dial-up speed in the evenings. And they, I believe, specifically start throttling me if I look at YouTube or Netflix.
3: Well, you'd be happy to know, Chris, that today— It's already happening to me. And I do
0: this because I'm doing it on on, on wireless. And I just want one quick point. The majority of today's consumers that are on the Internet are doing it on a wireless device. Now, I would imagine a lot of times they're on Wi-Fi. So they are going through a wired connection. But more and more, they're doing it over the cellular network, which is already do whatever you want. There's no net neutrality rules, which is already where most of the people are.
3: Well... We live in Washington state, and our state is a, a very blue state, and one of the things that they have decided to do—actually, today, the governor and a Republican and a Democrat oh, yeah? uh, what, representative— what? what is it, Chase? What is it, Chase? They're going to fight, Chris! They're going to fight it! Uh, now, A.G. Pi said, you know, with the rolling back of net neutrality, he's also going to put in a provision to prevent states— Uh, From enacting their own provisions, well, it's not going to stop our state from doing that and fighting the government. Interesting. Uh, So basically, another states' rights battle in the works. Exactly, and I think you're going to see this across the country. Where, and I was actually reading about this a few weeks ago, where the part where you know states can't do that, that wasn't announced properly. Ahead of time for states to put in their content oh, interesting. And feedback.
0: They didn't emphasize that, huh?
3: Right. Well there's certain rules that have to be followed. Like, oh yeah, there's these provisions in here, but if you just read the top paragraph, you're pretty much good. I think what we should do, Chris, is maybe some sort of skit or some sort of, I don't know, you know, acting like somebody's a shill, you know, a Manchurian <laughs> candidate or something like that. <laughs> Did
0: you see that there's rumors going around right now that the vote will be delayed? We shall see.
3: I, I am I, I doubt am, it. I am keeping a very close eye on that. I have not found anything from any credible source yeah. Yes, but but I'm keeping keeping an eye on it.
0: We'll come back and talk about it more. Um, But I want to shift our focus in the cyber segment to the original reason we started the cyber segment, and that's to track NSA spying and Section 702 loopholes. And as you know, they have been in the process of justifying the reauthorization of Section 702, which allows them to do um, bulk data collection of Internet traffic for three days. It enables them to uh, appropriately collect metadata but then unlock it once they've been given access. All kinds of like little loopholes that they can use. There's a few other rules in there that are also preventing them from doing a few things. So 702 isn't just like a give you everything. It also actually does put some restrictions in. But the debate has shifted now from should we reauthorize 702 to how are we going to reauthorize 702? And now there are several bills to make sure that this spying power doesn't go away.
7: ...path to extend the government's most important surveillance program. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, allows intelligence agencies, most notably the NSA, to collect communications like phone calls and emails of foreign targets on foreign soil who pose a threat to US national security. The program is set to expire this month, but security officials say its extension is crucial as it provides up to 25 percent of all current U.S. intelligence.
8: Collection under 702 has produced and continues to produce intelligence that is vital to protect the nation against international terrorism and other threats. Secondly, there are important legal limitations found within Section 702 of FISA.
7: Three congressional committees have proposed separate bills to extend Section 702 amid a turf war between the House Intelligence Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are focusing on two major issues. The first being the so-called unmasking of Americans engaged in communications with foreign targets, which the Democrats support. Another sticking point is the collection of the so-called about-communications, where two parties can become the subject of NSA surveillance simply by mentioning a target, for example, the Islamic State. The House Intelligence Committee passed its version of the surveillance bill last week, allowing for a four-year extension of the Section 702. The bill introduces stricter privacy protections in accordance with proposals from the Republican Freedom Caucus, restricting the use and access to the intelligence collected and temporarily freezing about collection.
9: In some instances, the principal himself or herself was not even aware that the unmasking request had been made. That's not what we want. If we're going to trust a national security advisor, we're going to trust an attorney general with the power to unmask a fellow citizen's name, at least make sure it is the principal doing it. And we were all there.
0: One of the things we've learned in this Russia investigation stuff is that some, some of the last couple of months in the Obama administration, they, they dialed back the requirements on who gets access to unmasked names. When it When the NSA spying program started... It was essentially people in the NSA and only people in the NSA. In fact, when the Snowden leaks came out, that's what the Snowden leak said is that you if you even if you were in the administration from you had to go to an NSA official to get them to do the unlocking. And now at towards at the end of the Obama administration, Susan Rice had the ability to unlock, uh, right. to
7: unmask. Yeah. The House Judiciary Committee's version proposes the strictest privacy protections of all three.
0: So the House Judiciary, which we just heard from there, is the one that has the
7: most restrictive, but it's still a go for it. But there are several others, and some of them are just have at it, Haas. Restricting the use of data collected and prohibiting the collection of about communications. This bill also requires the number of Americans under surveillance or subject to unmasking be reported to Congress.
0: I would love to know that number. That, w- that would be good. And, and uh, this, is, this is unlikely to happen because they'd say it's a national
9: security risk, right? Yeah. We are in danger. There are people who want to take our liberty and destroy our country, but that's no reason for us to voluntarily give up all our liberty, give up all our
7: privacy. Meanwhile, oh, yeah. Senate Intelligence Committee provides a seven-year extension of Section 702, allowing about collections to continue. There you go. The Senate Committee's bill caters the most to the intelligence community. Oh, shocker, shocker. I wonder if Feinstein's involved with that one. As well as some Trump administration officials. We can't tie the hands of our national security officials.
0: This is uh, Tom Cotton. I, I can't stand this guy. He oh, has he's one
3: of your good friends.
0: Oh, man. He has been on my good friend list now for about two years. At the precise moment
9: that our enemies are taking the gloves off around the world. Did you
0: know that? This is the precise moment, Chase. Precise. we got to spy on American citizens because it's the precise moment our enemies are taking the hey, gloves off. Hey, you know,
9: off. if you're not doing
3: anything wrong, you have nothing to hide, no big deal.
9: Terrorists don't plan to sunset their threats. Power way of life. So why should our important counterterrorism tools sunset?
3: How do you argue with that, Chase? Oh, no. I mean, why should our freedoms sunset no, in that yeah. case?
0: No. I mean, screw it. I mean, listen, we have... What are we going to do? We're just going gonna to let the terrorists take away our freedoms? Screw that? We're, if anybody's going to take away our freedoms... We
7: are. <laughs> Both Democrats and Republicans agree a warrant or court approval is necessary for intelligence agencies to maintain a searchable database of information on Americans. While Democrats and Republicans are debating amendments to the pervasive Obama-era interference with Americans' private lives, some observers point out potential terrorists could have already obtained American citizenship. Christian Rose, One American News.
0: What are you going to do, Chase? The terrorists
3: could be among us right now. You no, know we need more protections, Chris.
0: Yeah, we yeah. need more. There's also a warning right, out there right now about cyber scams. I got a, I got that video in the supporters' sync, but I say we move on. I All think right. we've uh, we've done our business here. All right, fair enough. I think it's time to get into a little Russia stuff while we're talking cyber. And there was a little Russia cyber development today. We have a guilty plea for one of the attackers, one of the people that was involved in a botnet back in 2016. I
3: should say.
10: On Wednesday, Reuters reported that the U.S. Department of Justice has caught one of the people involved in creating the Mirai botnet, a malware that uses networked devices to knock major websites offline in the massive 2016 cyber attacks. According to federal court documents unsealed in Alaska on Tuesday, Paras Jha has agreed to plead guilty to computer crimes charges in the case. The Mirai botnet was used to infect large numbers of Internet-connected devices to damage the Internet infrastructure in 2016.
0: This was the botnet that was uh, famous for just taking a whole bunch of old, like, Linksys and routers and, you know, IoT devices, if you will, and using their overall low CPU, low bandwidth capabilities, but in a mass number to actually cause some significant denial of services. And uh, they've got one of the people behind the botnet, they say. Another Russia story we've been following for a couple of weeks is the real screwing that RT's been getting uh, as a fallout of the, quote-unquote, Russia meddling investigation. There was enough hoopla raised about RT and their successful propaganda. <laughs> I'm breathe, sorry. breathe, Chris. Breathe. I'm sorry. It's all right, buddy. Have you seen the production qualities of RT? No, there's nothing successful about RT. There's, <laughs> they they have such a tiny, 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 tiny viewing in the U.S. compared to any of the networks, which oh, don't yeah. even have great numbers to begin with yeah. anymore. Um, but so, but they were super concerned that the low production value uh, RT network was uh, changing the minds of Americans. So they, they the, the U.S. demanded the State Department, demanded that RT register as a foreign agent. And RT put up a protest and said, screw that. If we do that, you're going to shut down our press access and we can't do coverage. And they said, no, 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 we won't do that. Just go ahead and register. And so RT did it. RT registered, and then their press credentials were were taken away.
11: Now, it is exactly a month since RT America had to register as a foreign agent in the U.S. after being pressured by the authorities. At the time, the State Department did assure us it wouldn't affect RT's ability to cover the news. But a couple of weeks later, we had our press credentials revoked by the U.S. Congress. Samira Khan asked the State Department to clarify the situation.
10: Unchored. When RT was forced to register as a foreign agent, you said that it wouldn't inhibit our ability to report. When the United States...
0: They just flashed back to October 2017. Okay. That was a little intense, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a little I rough. apologize, Chase. Yeah, yeah.
4: It ...tells someone to register under a foreign agent requirement. We don't impact um, or affect the ability of them to report.
3: And air quotes, News and you put information, that in air quotes.
4: We just have them register. It's as simple as that. Just a couple Fast weeks ago, forward. our press credentials were revoked. So doesn't this uh, contradict your earlier statements? I think I think pressed credentials may have been revoked by uh, Congress and not necessarily the members of Congress, but rather the uh, association of reporters that handles uh, who gets to come in and cover Congress.
0: So it was like an industry job. So the the, the pool of reporters who manage handling Congress kicked out RT. Wow.
10: After basically directing my question to Congress, uh, she played the Russian card and dubbed me a representative of the Russian government.
0: It feels like these media companies are working on behalf of the United States government to a degree. Mm.
4: In fact, the fact that you are here as a representative of the Russian government is a perfect example of how we do not, not restrict any type of freedom of the press.
5: This all comes after RT America was forced to register as a foreign agent and stripped of their Capitol Hill press credentials, only after Russia was accused of meddling in the U.S. presidential election. After Washington's measures, Russia actually designated several media outlets funded by the U.S. government as foreign agents. But it seems after this whole exchange... A, a that,
0: there. Yeah. So, Oh, yeah radio free america and a few others were labeled um i want to see if you can guess which one of your good buddies and old friends it was that had something remarkable uh, apparently one of your good buddies had a moment of reflection oh geez and uh has a few regrets about the whole Gate conspiracy stuff and about picking a side and i want to see if you can guess who it is before they say the name are you ready
3: all right i'll, I'll try don't I'll look try. at the clip. All right. I mean, uh, well, I, all right, I'll just listen. Yeah.
12: We start this evening with another dissenting voice in President Trump's so-called Russiagate collusion scandal. The mainstream media rarely <laughs> questions the evidence of the intelligence community. The Trump campaign colluded with Russia during the 2016 election. Now after a slew of retractions and corrections, another prominent member of the intelligence community...
0: There's your first hint. Okay, a member of the intelligence community. A prominent member of the intelligence community. All right, all right, all right.
12: With a history of targeting Russia... With a history of targeting Russia... Okay. Okay is casting doubt on the entire narrative. RT correspondent Anya Parenpil is with us this evening. There's not a
3: lot to go on. No. I, I mean, the, the only thing I was... it's a good buddy of yours. Uh, Mike Murrell?
0: You got it! Holy you shit! You got it, yeah. No way! Yeah,
12: yeah. No way! Yeah, he's rolling Holy it back. Holy
10: shit! No way! Following
12: this story, tell us about <laughs> this. This is more than interesting. Who's involved here?
10: That's right at uh, former CIA director Michael Morell in Washington Hillary Clinton during the twenty sixteen campaign.
0: He's been on CBS nailing Trump promoting. Yeah, I know.
10: I know. And yeah, I
0: wow. But now I'm gently he's weighing
10: shocked. in on RussiaGate and saying he didn't fully think through the implications of that decision.
0: Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Uh, and you know why he's saying it? You know what it took? Mm. It took him going on a podcast. Oh really? He went on a podcast and said this stuff. Take a listen. I'm
10: Michael Morrell is not known for his fondness of Donald Trump or the Russian government.
2: We need to make the the Iranians pay a price in Syria. We need to make the Russians pay a price. The other okay, thing I would need, do, we
13: make them pay the price by killing killing Russians. Yes. yes.
0: Can do you remember that? Do you remember? we that, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He once yeah.
10: described President Trump as an unwilling agent of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Yet in an interview this week with the podcast Global Politico, Morrell concedes special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia may result in, well, not much.
2: So I would not be surprised. If Bob Mueller concludes that. The Trump campaign did not violate the law with regard to its interactions with the Russians. I'm really open to that possibility. Why? Because, as you know, um, the New York Times, the Washington Post, every media outlet that um, is worth its salt has reporters digging into this, um, and they haven't found anything. Uh. Um,
3: And I think
0: that had there been something there— they would have found something. Yeah, they're going to get stuff on Trump's associates, but they're probably not going to get anything on Trump See, is what he's saying.
3: The only thing that, you know, yes, there's reporters everywhere and everybody's digging as much as they can. A lot of these things like the Manafort thing, the Stephanopoulos dude, and I know I'm missing somebody mm, yeah, else yeah, here. Yeah, yep. Those things... We didn't know about until it was announced. Yeah. There yeah. was not even There's like sometimes some leaks there usually, are usually, but not, yeah. but like in these, like in these instances, I think for wasn't. Trump
0: though, I think for Trump, I mean, he does too. He speculates. Um, yeah. And I think Bob Mueller would have found it already and it would have leaked. If it's about Trump, yeah. he says something else and they just toss it away. But I think it was actually more – I think I thought it was actually more profound because I read the transcript. I didn't listen to the podcast. Um, and in the transcript, I think I have it linked in the show notes, he says that he also thinks he he actually totally lays out the rationale on why Trump wouldn't like the CIA, about how they, they hit the Russia stuff too hard and about how the uh, – about how him – particularly taking a political position, sort of encouraged the rest of the CIA to take a political position. And it started things off with the new president on very bad terms. And it made it made the CIA come across as a political tool, as a political weapon, as having a political position. And he thinks that was that was just fundamentally bad for like future presidencies and wishes he could walk that back. They just kind of like blow right over that, though.
10: Morell also admitted his move to endorse Clinton in last year's election played into Trump's belief the intelligence agencies are indeed political, saying he didn't fully think through the implications. Morell's comments come as the mainstream press suffered yet another setback in.
0: We'll get to there. Uh, I thought I thought it was the reason why I wanted to play it was because um, I, I remember when he started getting really political. I thought this seems like a bad precedent to have the CIA coming out like this, like this yeah. seems and I'm kind of I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he, he could be disingenuous, but at least it feels good to see him say it. Uh, OK, let's talk about that fake news story. So, yeah, journalists, yeah. journalists are digging like crazy, trying to be the ones to have the big scoop, running with very light evidence these days. And we're going to break down what happened in the story. You probably heard about it. But it happened just after Unfilter was out. Uh, CNN took to the airs with a huge exclusive bombshell.
14: The CNN
1: exclusive in the Russia investigation. An electronic trail has emerged showing a possible attempt to share hacked WikiLeaks documents With the Trump campaign, let's get right to CNN's Manu Raju with these breaking details. Manu, what have you learned?
2: Well, John, Donald Trump, his son, Donald Trump Jr., and others in the Trump Organization, they received an email in September 2016 offering a decryption key and website address for hacked WikiLeaks documents. Now, this is according to a September 4th, 2016 email provided to congressional investigators by the Trump Organization. Now, to put the time frame in context here, this email came months after the hacked emails of the DNC were made public, and one month before WikiLeaks began leaking the contents of Clinton campaign chairman. John Podesta's hacked emails and shortly before Trump Jr. began an exchange of direct messages on Twitter with WikiLeaks. Now, congressional investigators are trying to determine whether the individual who sent the September email is legitimate and whether it shows additional efforts by WikiLeaks to connect with Trump's son and others on the Trump campaign. Now, the email also indicated that the Trump campaign could access records from the former Secretary of State Colin Powell, whose hacked emails were made public by a Russian front group 10 days later. The email came from someone who listed his name as Mike Erickson, and it was addressed to Trump, Trump Jr., Trump Jr.'s personal assistant, and others. Now, the investigators are uncertain who the sender is, and CNN was unable to make contact with the individual. It's not even clear whether the email was a legitimate effort to provide these hacked documents to the Trump campaign. Now, Trump Jr., who came to Capitol Hill this week, was asked about this before the House Intelligence Committee behind closed doors, according to sources who told my colleague Jeremy Her- Herb and I, uh, Trump Jr.'s attorney told, Clint, uh, told CNN that his uh, client said he had no recollection of the email and took no action on it. Now, the use of a website and decryption key is a means to provide information. This aligns with past WikiLeaks practices.
0: All right, so let's stop here. Uh, CNN wasn't the only news outlet to report the story, but they did double down on it all day long. News.
15: Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin. More emails, more problems for Donald Trump Jr. and the Russia investigation. CNN has exclusive new details about a message sent in the final stretch of the 2016 campaign offering access to hacked WikiLeaks documents. A previously undisclosed effort to reach Donald Trump himself, his son and his inner circle just weeks before the election. This comes, of course, on top of other new evidence.
0: Now, this clip goes on for another 12 minutes uh, where they dig into this. Uh, there's just one problem. Hmm, What's that? CNN never actually got to see the email. And this is what happens over and over again. They had a special source that told them about the email.
2: We're actually correcting a story that we have been reporting uh, throughout the day today about an email that was sent uh, to the Trump campaign, to then-candidate Trump, Donald Trump Jr. uh, and others uh, during the heat of the campaign season. This email uh, included uh, a decryption key and also uh, a link to where they could access some of these hacked WikiLeaks documents from the Democratic National Committee. Now, we've been reporting uh, that this uh, email came on September 4th. Uh, that was before uh, some of these documents uh, were publicly available, but we have just received obtained a, a copy of this email, uh, and instead uh, we now learn that this uh, this email was on September 14th, so Uh-oh. that is ten days uh, later than what we originally reported.
0: So it changes the. They got a heads up story, which was the big lead. Uh-huh. We are seeing a um, a repeat though that just happened last week. Now last week it was Brian Ross. That's right. This week, it's CNN and CBS, and um, I think there was one more news outlet that ran it. There's a common thread, I think, to both these that we're about to get to. But first, let's have Glenn Greenwald break it down a little bit because this is pretty great. He comes on Fox and then throws Fox under the bus. It's so great to watch. (laughs)
11: One Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist is sounding the alarm. He's painting a dangerous scenario of what happens without a free and honest media. Glenn Greenwald wrote an article in The Intercept titled the U.S. media suffered its most humiliating debacle
0: in ages now refuses all transparency over what happened. Here's what he means by this is uh, they had several networks that all ran with the same story that all supposedly got something confirmed that was false. Something is stinky here. Something is rotten here. And Glenn's on to something now. Funny enough, I don't think if Glenn had written How Awful Fox Was, he'd be on for this moment. But in this case, he was mostly going after CNN. So the Ingram angle is all about it.
11: With us to give us more insight is Greenwald himself, joining us now from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Glenn, it is great to see you. Uh, Recap for my audience what you wrote about over the weekend, about why particularly this CNN issue is so disturbing given the enormity of the story regarding President Trump and the Russians.
1: Right. So you described exactly how the story fell apart. And it's certainly the case that anyone in journalism, whether it's people at Fox or people at The Intercept or anywhere, are going to get stories wrong sometimes. This was not just a blockbuster story that fell apart. But what most is most disturbing to me is two things. One, it's a long line now of stories about Trump and Russia that major media outlets have trumpeted in a very flamboyant way, only for those stories to completely fall apart upon minimal scrutiny, always going in the same direction of trying to prove that Trump really did collude with the Russians in a criminal way and that Russia is essentially taking over the United States. So it's not just one mistake. It's a huge series of them always toward the same outcome and the same agenda. But the second and more disturbing thing for me, Laura, is the question of how it is that not just CNN, but ultimately CBS and MSNBC, which said they confirmed the story, got it wrong. They all claimed that multiple sources told them that this email sent to Don Jr. was dated before the WikiLeaks publications became public. How did multiple sources all get the same date wrong when talking to multiple media organizations? Well, Glenn, it's Glenn, impossible they, to think about how that could be innocent, yeah, well, and Glenn, they refused they re- to
11: say. They refused to say over the weekend when they trotted out David Frum and Carl Bernstein, who's been dining out on Watergate for 40-plus years. I have
0: a pretty good theory. Oh. I have a pretty good theory where it came from. <laughs> I have a theory. Um, because if you look at the timeline of events and who was making public statements at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that was from,
3: uh, Savannah. I knew it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, peanut bacon. Oh, nice.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
0: fried in bacon oil. Or, Very I mean, nice. peanut oil with bacon. Nice. So, it's Adam Schiff. Oh, really? You're a good buddy. I'm pretty positive. It's Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is butt buddies with CBS and CNN. And he's going on there often. They would never criticize Adam Schiff when he's wrong about anything. They never throw him under the bus. He's their go-to source for this. He, and if you think about it, this was an email that was supplied to the investigators. So it had to come from somebody in the investigation. So do you think he may have just uh, left off a one on the email? <sighs> I, I, I know. If this was the first time this had happened, I'd say yes. I wouldn't be surprised if he might have been Brian Ross's source, too. Oh, yeah. Because what I think is, is I think – I think – Adam Schiff and the Democrats that are running this thing are smart enough to understand that if they can get a headline out there, if they can get it on the news for a couple of hours, if they can get it trending on Twitter, if they can get people posting about it on Facebook, it's essentially fact. It is news at that point. The corrections never get the same amount of traction. It starts a meme and then people talk about it as if it was always September 4th now. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Just like the Brian Ross story didn't matter if it was right or wrong. If you nail that cycle, if you nail that news cycle where it spreads virally, then mission accomplished. Because a percentage, not everybody, but you don't need everybody, a percentage of the public will walk away and go, holy shit, Trump got emails from WikiLeaks uh, before the public did. And that's all it takes is you just need – because it's it's, – it's over and over and over and over for every major news st- cycle. You slip one of these in and they just stick. A couple of them stick every few times. And then you just start repeating them over and over again after a little while and they become fact. And it's – to me, if it was just one reporter or if it was just one source, I'd say, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is just a mistake. But because it happens over and over again because it was three separate networks all claim – NBC was the other one. It was It was CBS – CNN and NBC. And they all said, we have, we've confirmed it with our sources. NBC later said, well, our source was CNN. Um, and then it, I think it was the Washington Post that
3: actually posted it correctly. Well, this is I, – I really hope because, you know, I mean, full disclosure, you know, even though these are my opinions, but I, I do work for a news organization in a technical capacity, that this should be a warning shot for all journalists and all these television uh, companies, including Fox – that they need to be accurate and get it right because when you don't, you not only you you cast doubt into the general American public, mm-hmm. and you're feeding into the narrative that is being pushed right now about the fake news thing. Yep. But it's one of those things where that credibility is really hard to to get back, especially when you're a national network. I think I think cable news outlets have a little bit of an easier time. Uh, people tend to have a little bit shorter memories. Uh, but when you're an NBC, CBS. Uh, you know, uh, you know, big three-letter network. It's yeah. it's a little bit different, and it's they need to do better.
0: This the the election and this year have been huge,
3: huge blows to their credibility. Yeah, and it's been a rough year for the media. I mean. Every you know, and the media you know, there there's a line between journalism and also you know popularity in the in the ratings.
0: And it's not just CNN. In fact, Glenn kind of uh, Glenn kind of gets yes, into that. On, on uh,
11: they they wouldn't even entertain questions about that. Would didn't even go into that at all. But if multiple sources, I think the date was the uh, where there was missing one digit. Was it the fourth to the fourteenth or something like that? So, given that case, how could multiple people read a number wrong? or transmitted incorrectly. To me, that on its face, just putting my legal cap, seems very far-fetched.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it seems like it was a deliberate attempt to mislead, in which case they have the obligation to say which members of Congress, probably Democrats on the Intelligence Committee, were the ones who gave them that false information. But if it wasn't deliberate, they have the obligation to say how it happened. Instead, what they did was they brought... A CNN employee, Carl Bernstein, and David Frum, who spent two days defending on, CNN, on to pretend that they were willing to talk about it. They didn't bring me on. When I write about Fox News and all of its many <laughs> flaws and many mistakes and many humiliations, which have taken place a lot this year and last year, <laughs> CNN immediately invites me on, and Fox doesn't. And that's the yep. reverse that happens when I write about CNN. Fox loves to have me on, and CNN won't. And I think that really is the issue. I don't want it to be implied— that this is a problem unique to CNN and MSNBC. Fox has had its share of incredibly embarrassing mistakes. Also, always uh, in the producers and And the problem her. is, is that media well, outlets yeah. now are balkanized. They talk only to their audiences, and they don't have any transparency or accountability. Due-
0: Good thing too, because it makes a market for podcasts. So I'm pretty <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. They can keep screwing it all up. But yeah, yeah there's your uh, there's your fake I, news
3: update. I, I, I you know my my kind of side theory on this too is let's say it is an Adam Schiff or somebody. A Democrat on a committee somewhere. I bet you that these organizations said, "All right, you know what? This is your last chance. If you f up again, we're, we will expose you." Or and maybe it, now they'll be more cautious. You could hope, right? Well, yeah, because you know they've put so much stock in their sources or individual source. You know, they're not going to multiple sources. So the big, uh, or reliable ones. The big thing there for me, though, is we
0: may never know, but now we just have to kind of watch and see if things change. This is where we really need to watch and, and keep a note. Yeah, we'll keep watching. Yeah. So yesterday was the big vote in Alabama with
3: uh, Roy Moore and Doug Adams, is it? Or, uh, uh, I can't remember. I, my, red, my Red Book prediction, I, I, have a hard... I, I am shocked. I am genuinely really? shocked.
0: I have a – well, um, I thought this was going to be – this is going to be a good test to see if um, – if the court of public opinion was strong, like how far into this are we? Or how far in, are we into accusations are enough to be guilt? And I'm not condemning that or promoting it. I was just this was my, this was sort of the bellwether, and uh, Roy Moore lost. And you know, going into it though, he seemed like a bad candidate. He seemed like a candidate that the. The Republicans wanted because of an agenda, and the voters don't tend to empathize with that very much. And there was a few warning signs coming in that really should have told people this is not a strong candidate, just like we were saying Hillary was never a strong candidate. Oh, yeah, Doug Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so Roy Moore was never a great candidate. Example one.
1: Judge Moore has also said... Uh, that he doesn't oh, think uh,
3: this is his spokesman. That oh, uh, Jake is talking this is, to. This is a classic already. Clip, one of the clips of the year. Yeah, uh,
1: a Muslim member of Congress should be allowed to be in Congress. Why? Uh, under what? But, under what provision Because of the you have to swear
12: on the Bible. You when you you when you are before I had to do it. I'm an elected official. Three terms. I had to swear on a Bible. You have to swear on a Bible to be an elected official in the, in the United States of America. He alleges that a Muslim cannot do that ethically, swearing on the Bible.
1: You don't actually have to swear on a Christian Bible. You can swear on anything, really. I don't know if you knew that. You can swear on a Jewish Bible. Oh, no, you can swear I swear on, on the Bible. I've done it
12: three times. I'm sure Jake. you
1: have. I'm sure you've picked a Bible, but the law is not that you have to swear on a Christian Bible. That is not the law.
3: You You don't know that? <laughs> that blank stare. And by the way, there's no delay here. There is. <laughs> that blank stare, though. Oh, my. So bad. You know that? Uh, All right. Ted Crockett.
12: With I the don't Moore. know. I, I know that uh, Donald Trump did it when he when we <laughs> made him president. <laughs>
3: because
1: he's Wait. Christian and he picked it. That's- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what he wanted. To, that's what we wanted to swear in on. Ted Crockett with the Moore campaign. Good luck tonight. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Good luck tonight, he says. So, yeah, God. that is. So then here's example uh. number two. Um, You know, you know, it's a bad sign. When your defense for being a racist is, I'm not a racist, I got black friends. We have many
16: friends that are black, and we also fellowship with them in church and in our home.
0: This is uh, Roy Moore's wife.
16: Fake news would tell you that we don't care for Jews. I tell you all this because I've seen it all, so I just want to set the record straight while they're here.
0: Jews... Or the media I'm not sure which Or maybe she means One and the same I'm not sure I think she
3: meant the media Because she's waving To the cameras in the back
0: But she's talking about Jews Right I know I know
16: One of our attorneys Is a Jew
0: There you go So that was – and the other thing is he looks creepy when he's standing behind her the whole time. So there was never – the optics weren't looking good. The reason to elect him was really – if you're appealing to the general non-fired-up voter, the the non-strong conservative voter, the appeal was, well, because we want to get taxes and other things passed. And so as you would expect, with just the insane amount of funding against Roy Moore and the constant, constant media coverage and the women that came out, it seemed like almost a foregone conclusion, though not everybody was – Not everybody was so sure how the night would go.
12: We have a major projection right now. And CNN projects Doug Jones, the Democrat. He will be the next United States senator from Alabama. He beats Roy Moore in this really, really exciting contest. Doug Jones
3: comes. I was uh, watching John Mulhaney last night. I was at a comedy show in downtown Seattle. Cool. During the middle of his show, he goes... Uh, how many uh, Roy Moore fans here? And, and, I mean, this is very blue yeah, crowd. And he goes, oh, by the way, Doug Jones just won. And then
12: the whole place
3: yeah, freaking erupted. This place erupts, from too. Behind, it's crazy.
12: Takes the lead, and now CNN projects he will be the next senator. First time in 25 years that a Democrat will be uh, elected senator from the state of Alabama. A ruby red state, a very Republican state. But Doug Jones... Doug Jones is the winner. CNN projects that he is the winner in this race. This is a huge moment, a huge win for the Democrats, a huge setback for the president of the United States. Uh, They're getting excited over there at Doug Jones headquarters. Let's go over to Doug Jones headquarters. Uh, Alex Marquardt, you're there. They just got the news. We made the projection. Doug Jones has been elected the United States senator from Alabama. It was uh, this I
0: don't know. If you, have that has Alabama's race ever been so closely followed before? Uh, no. And I was surprised by Trump's response on Twitter. I'll be honest, it, I would I would classify it as graceful.
3: Yeah, buddy. Then, but he also in like uh, another tweet, he he threw uh you know through the judge under the bus. So it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I knew not you know I knew he wasn't yeah. gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Holy yeah, crap, dude. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: Effed up. Well, you know that way it's not uh, that way. He people can't. Oh, Trump doesn't mind. You can't say it was Trump's plan. You can't say that. Uh, um, yeah. So there you go. Roy Morzo he says you know it, it's not over till it's over. But uh, everybody kind of says it's over. Yeah. It sounds like it may actually be over in Syria too.
11: President Putin has ordered the start of the withdrawal of Russian forces from Syria. And RT's Daniel Hawkins joins me with the studio with it the, in there. Can't even get my teeth in there, Dan. In the studio with the detail. <laughs> Why? (laughs) So does that mean that Russia's mission in Syria is over?
9: Well, according to some, that
3: will be the case in terms of the military phase, certainly. This was announced by uh,
9: President Putin, as you mentioned, at a surprise visit to uh, Khmer Air base in Latakia.
3: So Putin flies
0: out there, makes the big announcement, uh, bringing the troops home kind of slowly, one of those wind down things. Yeah. Going to leave some behind to help set up some civilian did he, infrastructure. Did he
3: have a mission accomplished banner behind him?
0: No, he didn't have like a straight jacket uh, tied, super tight around his crotch either, unfortunately. All right, all right, fair enough. Right, yeah. Was he shirtless uh, on a th- horse? You no, know, he was wearing a suit. Oh. Really, really
3: yeah. disappointing. Fighting a crocodile.
0: Here's a, here's a little just, a, you know, from one of your favorite departments of the show, the show me the money department. Ah, yes. <laughs> troops equal money. Just a, some, some rough numbers on troop numbers. President Trump has unveiled to Congress how many U.S. troops are stationed
7: abroad. Only the biannual White House report omitted some key figures. And the Paragraphs talking about Afghanistan, Iraq. And Syria, not a single number was given. Troop numbers were disclosed, though, for Jordan and Lebanon. The omitted figures come as a surprise, given that the U.S. Defense Secretary apparently revealed them himself a few months ago.
12: We have approximately 11,000 troops in
9: Afghanistan, and that is seen in our addition of over 3,000 U.S. troops arriving now and in the coming months to extend NATO's advisory
10: effort to Afghan troops that are currently without. The number for Iraq is 5,200, and the number for Syria is 2,000.
0: There you go. So there's, there is uh, quite a few troops out there, and the number actually may be much higher because then they later say, there could be a whole bunch that we're not disclosing, by the way, so these numbers uh, may actually not be accurate. Right. Yeah, you go, oh, oh, okay. Well, then what's the point of the report right. then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so you do get some rough numbers there, I thought. Okay, um, so let's talk about a sort of speech for a second just need some water Chris. it could be yeah it could be something like a dry mouth could be dentures it could be a neurological disorder it could be all kinds of things when you're a 70 something year old man and this moment caught a lot of people's attention online last week didn't see a lot of play on the news networks but i did see a lot of people online talking about it i'm going to play this first clip for you trump had like what was it, like a 40 minute speech i think was it that long yeah, it was pretty long. Wow. Yeah. yeah, It, it didn't was... feel that long. And uh, so oh, yeah. here, this clip will play the first 30 seconds of the speech, and then it will transition to the last 30 seconds of the speech. So you can do an A-B consp- comparison of what his, what his speech patterns sounded like at the beginning versus what they sound like at the end of the speech.
8: This is the first 30. Thank you. When I came into office, I promised to look at the world's challenges – with open eyes and very fresh thinking. We cannot solve our problems by making the same failed assumptions and repeating the same failed strategies of the past. Old challenges demand new approaches. My announcement today marks the beginning of a new approach to conflict between Israel and the Palestinians
0: today. Now, here is the final 30 seconds of his speech. And I think you'll notice there's a pretty big difference in enunciation.
8: A. let us rededicate ourselves to a path of mutual understanding and respect. I hear it already. Let us rethink old assumptions and open our hearts and minds to possible and possibilities. And finally, I ask the leaders of the region. Political and religious.
3: He's even breathing,
0: kind of funny. I
3: he didn't take any water during the speech, and I think he's. I think it's a water thing. I think it's uh you know just you know getting that cotton mouth. he's I felt I've. I think he's just trying to power through. I, you know, maybe
0: you might be right. I've done a, I've done a lot of years on the microphone, and I've never had dry mouth cause that problem. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe.
3: I mean, but then again, we're young. It gets he, worse, he, too. He's, he's in his 70s. It's, it's, it gets worse. Yeah.
8: Israeli and Palestinian, Jewish and Christian and Muslim, to join us in the noble quest for lasting peace. Thank you. God bless you. God bless Israel. God bless the Palestinians. And God bless the United States. Thank you very much. He couldn't even say United States there at the end. I'm going to play that last because that's the worst part, right? God bless the Palestinians and God bless the United States. (sighs) What
3: is that? Is that that dentures? It could be. Um, You know, it's one of those things where I think he's conscious of the fact that the last time he took a drink of water, it was kind of a— a weird thing that a lot of people commented on, and especially mm. Marco jumped on it. Maybe he... so now he's avoiding drinking water on camera. Maybe he's trying to avoid anything.
8: He doesn't kind have a thing. diet coke, so and God bless. Yeah, you might be right, Redneck. I mean, it
3: could be a dentures thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if he if he does dentures, I don't know if he does. The
0: number one thing people are saying online is, oh, he's high. That sounds like me when I'm high. <laughs> I, a lot of people said he, not like not like weed high, but like coke high. Oh, like he's coked out is wow. what some people. I don't know if that. I would have no idea, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It does seem, I mean, it's pretty bad, dude. It's pretty. So today let us rededicate ourselves. It starts even kind of in the last, you know, it's basically the last minute of the speech. It really goes off the rails.
3: Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Um, gosh, but yeah, it could be nothing. It could. Yeah. It could be a whole lot of nothing could be but, uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. <laughs> well, at least he wasn't carried into a van or anything. Oh, well, not yet. But yeah,
0: that was, jeez, uh, <laughs> that, uh, I don't know, I, who knows? That's just sort of a fun, like, what the, because, you know, you're sitting there, you're watching these things time after time, and the first half of it, I'm like, this is one of his better speeches. Yeah. This is like one of the more presidential moments of well, his. Well, you know why? Because it's scripted. But he's had other scripted stuff before.
3: Right, but it, when he goes off script sometimes- yeah, he, gets in the he didn't go off script. and But then it just starts going off the rails. And then I felt
0: like he might have gone off script when he said, God bless the Palestinians. I felt like maybe that was improv a little bit. Well, way. he was just starting to add God bless, God yeah, bless yeah. the pages, <clears throat> God bless these books. God uh, bless that God, cup of water over there. <laughs> that I'm really, I can really use that right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we need to take a moment here and... Uh,
14: Reclaiming my time.
0: And we got to spend a moment with our patrons because we wanted to wrap up. And it's been a rough week for the patrons. The Unfilter Show lost 18 patrons this week. Uh, Now, I don't think that's all because of us. I think some of it is because it's absolutely it's absolutely because of the Patreon rule changes.
3: I was going to say not because of us, no. because of Patreon.
0: Which Patreon, as of today, has rolled back. So and they never did go into effect. It was it was going to be the next billing cycle, and so they're rolling back their fee changes that got a lot of people upset. Yeah, but the Unfilter Show is is down. We are sliding backwards from a major milestone that we wanted to reach.
3: And uh I mean, it hurt because not only obviously holiday season, you know, people sometimes they need to cut away yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But then Patreon made it even easier to say, you know, fine, F this yep, yep. and I'll figure it out. So. And,
0: you know, when you quit your Patreon, sometimes you can fill out like an exit survey. Oh. And, Did uh, you check? Did you check the survey? Yeah. Well, Angela collated them. And um a couple of people thought we had made the fee changes. Oh, God. No. And so they were calling us money grubbers and... Stuff like that. And it wasn't us. It was totally out of our control. Um, And see, the fundamental issue here is, is unless you want me to go on a cryptocurrency decentralized um, payment system that's detached and divorced from the banks and state... You're not really going to solve this problem because even if the Unfilter Show uh, built a, a independent donations model, we'd still have to go through Stripe. We'd still have to have credit card transaction processing. We don't really remove ourselves from PayPal problems or any transaction fee issues. In fact, we would lose the benefits of bulk bulk transaction discounts. We'd lose the benefits of a perk model system that allows us to have different tiers and give rewards to those tiers. And we would really kind of have to build all of those components. I just did a Linux Unplugged this week about all of the open source components it would take to replace YouTube and Patreon and Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And they're, all of them are coming together today, but they're not there yet. And so Patreon can make changes and it can, it can really hurt us. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, people that are comfortable resubbing will come back. We would really appreciate it. But in the meantime, we did have a few people that came to just show their support. Absolutely. And we had a couple of people up their pledge level. Yeah, levels.
3: I saw some people who joined Club 33, yep. which was awesome.
0: So, you know, when we, I had a bunch of these emails coming in saying so and so is canceled, so and so is canceled, yeah. and it's like, oh. Killing me, and then you know, a couple of them, so and so, increased their pledge. So and so became a patron. Like it was those moments. I was like, oh, thank you very much. You just, you gave me another hour of feeling good. Yeah. Uh. So I want to give him. I want to give him some
3: airtime right here. Reclaiming my time. To, no, uh, no, Maxine. The patrons are going to the claim their time. Your
0: so we wanted to open <laughs> up the sack that's we, right yeah why don't we get into it a little bit that's right
3: that's right In looking back and red booking forward so we open up the sack to all of our patrons who support us and i asked you guys two things keep it short and sweet i want to hear your top moment of 2017 and your top red book prediction yeah for 2018. okay good so here we go drew wrote in says hey favorite moment was just after Trump caved on the dreamers only to have the democrats base turn on them for cons- for considering working with Trump really hit home oh, yeah. how impossible compromises right now Yeah yeah, yeah. so what
0: he's referring to there is uh, of course that that whole like working with uh, Pelosi and Schumer totally backfired
3: Yep Yeah that's uh, that's embarrassing. I remember that mm-hmm. Max Space writes and says hey I can't couldn't get enough on filter. So I started back on episode one. Wow. And I'm up to number 21. Wow. There was a lot of coverage of how the drone program is operated yeah. by Obama. Right. I am interested in knowing if Trump has increased or decreased the flying killer robot frequency. <laughs> I don't hear much anywhere about Trump's version of the program. Is it dwindling down or is it ramping up? That's a good thing to look forward to. You
0: know, I got a quick answer to that, and it's uh, what we now know looking back at it is we were uh, standardizing, cauterizing, we were institutionalizing the drone program, not we, but that's what right. the media and Obama was doing is they were selectively leaking things out there to make these things normalize. So that way when the next administration came in, there was a legal framework and some public acceptance around this program. Yeah. Uh, and that's what was happening at that time. And now it's um, – you know, it, that, that, that job has been accomplished and they don't need to tell us what's going on anymore. But I do watch for stories. I have uh, one on the live stream. If you're watching the live version of the show, if you go to the Patreon page we when we can – when when YouTube cooperates, we paste the full we put the full uh, full live stream on the Patreon page. And if you watch that one, I do have a drone story in there, but nothing really significant to report. Everything's pretty typical. You guys kind
3: of know the story there now. Matt C says Red Book Prediction, you guys get enough patrons to launch Unfiltered Supplemental. Ooh. Reclaim your time and enjoy a well earned vacation. Alan writes since says hey, top moment of twenty seventeen is obviously Trump taking office. No matter your views of his policies, I think his election has been a wake-up call for many people that they need to pay attention and be involved. Redbook prediction will be the Democrats will not win the House or Senate back, not while the current mouthpieces are in charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fire Fury and Drones writes in, whoa, Unfilter is so great, I never miss an episode. This year I liked how the snowball of the hashtag Me Too has managed to shake up our remote lithuania a bit even really yeah i'm looking forward to 20 uh to 2018 to find out what is really happening with them
0: cryptocurrencies yeah yeah and where
3: be a decisive political push against him happy new year chase chris Matt, and everybody else
0: where does all that go and where does all of the uh,
3: pervert purge lead to we shall see (laughs) more more cables and leaks landon writes in says congratulations on another awesome year of unfilter can you give us a red book report on what came true so far in 2017 and what did not well, the good news, bad news, Landon is we just started digitizing our red book in our own little private uh, Telegram group, so we don't really have a summary. I know that I was wrong uh, <laughs> when it comes to Judge Judge Roy.
0: I know I was wrong when it comes to uh, Hillary winning. But uh, <laughs> actually, I think I was wrong too. That's coming now. That's coming. Yeah. Gone. I've, I've done some soul searching on that.
3: Uh, A.T. writes in, Red Book Prediction, Nancy Pelosi has a complete cognitive breakdown on live television and is not able to recover. <laughs> oh, that's awful and, <laughs> and probably going to happen, yes. actually. Micah says, hey, just a quickie for Chase the Sack. Thank you for all you guys do. I didn't follow politics much before finding Unfilter. I thought politics was dumb and abhorred the 24-hour news cycle. Unfilter makes it tolerable, and listening to you guys makes it enjoyable. Have a good break, and see you guys in the new year. Hello, everybody. Chuck, Red Book Prediction. Russia and sexual deviancy with Trump will dictate his coverage in 2018. Uh, oh, man. I hope it starts to fade. Yeah. Marcella writes in, top moment. There was a great discussion on healthcare at one point in which Chris and Chase disagreed about a lot of stuff, but were able to still have a respectful, productive conversation Something most of my friends are seem incapable of. What's the matter? Your dentures? You need, no, some, sorry, water? I need some water. Some water. Uh, Marcelo also said. Redbook prediction: The Wapo continues to publish a headline about non developments in the Trump Russia for the next year. Yep, that's a winner. And one thing I want to add on Marcelo about the top moment is, you know, Chris and I we've known each other for a number of years. You know, we both have our political leanings and opinions. Never. But at the end of the day, one thing I've always said on this show is it's very important just to sit down and listen. Listen. Don't try to get your points in. Listen to the other person's point of view. There's been many times that I've said to Chris, well, I didn't think of it that way, and Chris is go, you know, that's a good point. You know, we we go back and forth all the time, and I think that's if we can try to set an example to try to continue that to everybody else, that'd be a great thing.
11: I'm not going to dignify that with an answer.
3: Fair enough. Uh, Robin writes in and says, Long time Patreon, just switched over to Club 33 right on. to help stanch the bleeding from the Patreon fee fiasco. <laughs> Top moment for me in the last year was when we learned WikiLeaks was not an impartial leaker yeah. when it, it came to the election yep. and had something to gain. Yep. Changed the way I viewed WikiLe- WikiLeaks and Assange for sure. Mm-hmm. Keep up the good work. OMG,
11: OMG, OMG. And
3: finally, last but certainly not least, Sam writes and says, favorite moment was your coverage of the U.S. missile strikes on the Syrian airbase for supposed chemical attacks. Red Book, the Venezuela situation would deteriorate into a civil war. You know, that's definitely possible, Sam. It's Man, those are good happened. ones. Yeah. You know, you guys earned yourselves a little clippity-clop. I'm proud of you. Those are really good.
14: The message is clear.
13: Just
3: clippity-clop. So remember... <laughs> You still have time to join up and be a part of Unfiltered before the end of the year. Uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash unfilter. There's many different label uh, levels you can get yourself into. Right now, Club 33, once again, has filled up to the brim. Yay. But you can't nice. get on a waiting list and uh, jump in. But if you can't do that, Investor gets you the entire experience, every clip, every source file, dedicated RSS. Is a bit 26 still happening?
0: Yeah, yeah, it has okay. to get. You have to go way back in the back catalog to find it.
3: Okay, fair enough.
0: Fair enough. And one day, maybe, maybe in twenty eighteen, we will replace it with like some web front end, something where people can grab just a singular clip instead of the whole sync and stuff Absolutely. like that. All right, Chase, you ready
3: for the high
17: note? Mommy I'm needs a joint.
3: Mommy, we're gonna get you that joint. Let's finish it off. Strong. So
0: Jeff Sessions has been building um, ammunition for a war against pot, and um, he is going on what the Justice Department is billing as an expert tour. And this, the audio sucks because this is just some secondary camera footage here. But uh, this is Jeff Sessions talking to experts about the marijuana problem.
8: To, um,
18: to here, your analysis on. Um Marijuana and some of the related issues. Um, I think it's a big issue for America, for the country. And um, I'm of the general view that this is not a healthy substance. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. And then as a policy response that we and the federal government needs to... um, be prepared
0: to take. Um, so he's of the opinion that it's uh, a dangerous substance, and the problem isn't that it's got medical uses and he doesn't know about it, The pro- and it isn't that he has some sort of agenda. The problem is, is that the American public is misinformed, undereducated, and if we could just properly propagandize them, yeah. we could pass any kind of marijuana laws we want. And do so appropriately and
13: uh, with good sense. Uh, I do believe and I'm afraid that the public is not
8: properly educated on, on some of the... On
0: what an arrogant dick. Oh my God, that just makes me want to like... Not him. No, he's fully up to date. It's the American public.
3: Oh, that's issues. right. Yeah, he American knows it's America bad. Law. Yeah, therefore...
18: And that would be a matter that we could, uh, uh, all of us together, maybe be helpful in working on it. And I, that would allow better policy actually be
0: enacted. So. so if we could better educate them, then we could really pass some good laws. See, first they come for your net neutrality in 28 in 2017, and then 2018 they're coming for your pot. That's what's going to that's how it's going to go down. So
3: I guess Canada's looking pretty good right about now.
0: Yeah, right. And there's one state where the attempt to make pot legal is getting some significant pushback. I've been watching this for a few weeks. I've been seeing different stories come up through like law enforcement and uh, it, It it looks like the war is going to be held for cannabis legalization in Indiana.
17: And today, a strong message from the Association of Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys against the legalization of marijuana for any purpose. They gathered with reps from the Indiana Chamber and local law enforcement to take a stand ahead of the 2018 legislative session. There are several bills proposed that could lead to legalization in our state.
0: Taking a stand.
17: This group cites the marijuana industry targeting children with THC-laced ice cream and gummies.
0: That old one. you got to protect the children.
17: And while the conversation is often steered toward medical help, this group says it's really about corporate greed.
0: Now, this is a better angle. It's really about corporate greed. Um, And let's not talk about the fact that the tax revenue does go to the schools That that. That's uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: Let's just be real. Legalization legalization of marijuana is not about taking care of our kids. It's about a profit-hungry industry of men in suits, not Woodstock hippies with joints. We're talking about men in suits trying to drive a profit and revenue.
0: You know, it's interesting to watch uh, conservatives take an anti-capitalism position. It's weird. It is weird. It's it's sort of like this weird cognitive disconnect be- that they have.
3: It's because you know, like the whole session thing. You know, drugs are bad, right? Yay. You know, right. So. And it, it
0: happens on the left too. But this guy, these guys, happen to be conservatives. Uh, but it does happen on the left as well. But I, I find it to be uh, sort of these. One of the why not? Why is it we must stop it? Why is it not? Why is there even a law about it? Like I it just I I have a hard time I have a hard time connecting with why they would want to why they would be concerned with what adults would do, because they can't truly believe it's about the children. That's the bullshit... PR messages that, that they they tug on to connect with their audience, but it can't truly be about that because then they would also have problems with all of the prescription pills and they'd have problems with beer and they'd have problems with cigarettes and they'd have problems with sugar. So it can't truly be about, I mean, sex stores, you'd have sex. What well, if, what if kids come across a dildo? Chris, like there's all these issues they would have. So it
3: can't be just this. They're just trying something different. That, that gentleman that we heard speak before, this guy. He, we've had him on the, we've had him on the show before in other capacities. He's been speaking about smart approaches. The the thing is, he's just trying a different narrative. Mm-hmm. He's trying a different ploy. Yep. He, oh, you know what? The the other non medical benefit didn't work. I mean, we got the twelve year old girl thing happening right now. Right, you got to so, push back so, against that. So we got to try a different angle. Ah, uh, yeah, it, it's the corporate interests.
0: Yeah, the, see, the problem with the medical angle is then you have people, in the audience, going, um, but. Uh I, saved I, my life. I, it's it's changed my life. Right, exactly. Uh yeah. yeah. New the war on drugs isn't over. It fights day in and day out in your communities.
3: Yeah. Opioid addiction Destroying
0: families. Yeah. It has it prescription is
3: prescription abuse. It's crack one of those po- it's
0: one of those public policies that to some countries out people outside the US is it looks like a humanitarian crime. Yeah. And if I, I, these people are advocating for the destruction of families over a plant. And they don't see any issue with having an anti-capitalistic, anti-sovereignty argument. They don't see any problem with that.
3: Day out in your communities. What about the pharmaceutical companies that, you know, the big suits and the oxy? I mean, what about them?
17: also spoke with Jeff Staker, the leader of Hoosier Veterans for Medical Canba- Cannabis Incorporated. He tells me he's hopeful these bills are discussed in committee because he believes medical marijuana saves lives. Saying today, if we do nothing and stay idle, more veterans are going to die.
0: Now they're going for the veteran angle again, which I think is a good one. I think it's a good one.
3: Didn't the VA already say it was okay? Uh, they're getting warmed up to it. Yeah, they're getting I thought warmed so, up to yeah. It.
0: I want to. There, there is. Uh, there's. Should we want to do? There's. We could do it. We could do a. We could do a public health warning story to wrap it, or we could do a marijuana club story to wrap it. What do you I, think? You know what?
3: Let's do the club because yeah. the health crap is always bugs, yeah. buggy.
0: Plus, it's yeah, it's always all over the place. Yeah. All right. This this is got to be an idea that's going to take off here in Seattle. I think this sounds good. Denver could be the first city in the country to get a marijuana club. The department that
1: regulates marijuana business is reviewing its first application for a. Bring your own pot club. It was submitted by a business called Coffee Joint with the proposed location in a light industrial area off of Interstate 25. After a $5 entry fee, one could vape or have edible pot inside. Businesses had to complete an extensive application and
3: mine strict rules for club locations before making it to this point in the process. The city will hold a public hearing in the next two or three months for the Coffee Joint proposal. I I really think... Covering Colorado first. Thank you. Uh it's a no-brainer. I, Seems like I, it. I think, you know, for states that have legalized it and, you know, they say you can't do it in public, but let's say you're a tourist mm-hmm. and you're visiting. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just go jump into safer a club? Too. Safer, yeah, too. a lot safer.
0: Especially if you don't know what you're doing. We had people recently visit the studio that decided to, you know, and they're like, we need tips. We had we need tips. Uh, the Beard's Lady just recently wanted some tips, too, because she's like, you go in there, I don't know what to do. So if you create these safe spaces, then uh, it's better for public health. It's because they're going to do it one way or the other. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Now, Mr. Chase, yes, uh, the overtime's still coming up, but that's your right. meat and potatoes of the show right here. Fair enough. And uh, that will that will be understandable if you got to depart right there. But if you can stick around, we got some more stuff coming up. We got like a mini high note in there. We're going to go into some uh, DOJ connections to Fusion GPS. And a few other things. So that'll be coming up in the overtime. But leave them with some wisdom, Chase, because the holidays are coming up. There's some things they got to know about. you got some social networks maybe you oh, could yeah. tell them. Well,
3: thanks to Devin, oh! thanks to Mr. Devin, I've been getting more Twitter yeah, traffic. Have. So if you want to see some of those awesome responses, check out my Twitter <laughs> feed. Twitter, <laughs> uh, Twitter.com slash Nunes. N-U-N-E-S. So if you want to check out my geek gaming content, YouTube.com slash GeekGamerTV. Oh! And I got a Discord, discord.gg slash GeekGamerTV, mm. all that fun stuff. Now, Chris, yes. you are no doubt active on the Twitterverse and the Vloggerverse. Sometimes,
0: sometimes. Twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Yes. Give a plug for our Discord, discord.me slash Jupiter Colony. We have a dedicated unfilter room that's going 24-7, including has a backlog of the chat that you've seen in the video version of yeah. this here show. Now, we won't be live unless something major happens, so... Uh, So, you will probably not hear from us again until 2018. But in the meantime, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com, check out the back catalog, subscribe to the RSS feed, and then you'll just get us automatically when we come back. Yeah! All right, so if you're you're getting out of here, if you're not sticking around for the overtime, then we only have one last thing to say Happy Holidays, and see you back here next year! Whoa. Yeah. What? You didn't say year? All right, okay, ready? Next year. year! Despite what those last guys said? The empirical data would seem to suggest that this show's still going, because it's time
9: for the
5: overtime.
0: Thank you, Maxine. Thank you very much. And thank you to our patrons this week. Three new patrons. Ant, Jameson, and Benjamin. I'm going to say either Ant or Auntie. kind of like Auntie. Even if you're a dude. yeah, I kind of like it that way. Thank you to our three new patrons. I really do appreciate it. It's been a rough week, and it's nice to see every now and then when you're just seeing all of these emails come into your inbox about people canceling, it really does... Pick, it, pick up your spirits to you just see a couple of emails come in and say, new patron. I also saw some of you out there increase your Patreon this week. Really appreciate that, too. We got a new Club 33. I'm sure uh past Kristen, Chris and uh, what's-his-face Chase there. Uh, I'm sure those, uh, those jokers already said all that, but I really do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Now, let's kick things off with our good old corporatist... Democrat expose that we like to have right here, analyzing the rot of the establishment aspect of the Democratic Party, you know, the, the part that's making them lose elections. Now, if we do a little deep dive, we often get down to Nancy Pelosi. Now, this time I thought this isn't really um, bad. I just thought, let's see Nancy Pelosi in her rather native environment when she's having a fairly good day
5: before that.
2: Now, we'll go back to you.
0: All right, uh, Thank you. Um, how much of a valid issue do you think this is for how each party handles those facing allegations? And for Congressman McEwen,
2: if he re- remains defiant, do, would you urge a primary challenger to unseat him? Yeah. We don't see this as a, a political issue. This is something remarkable that has happened in our country. And I'm so glad that long last uh, Time magazine has placed some women as women of the year. First time, I think, that have ever had a woman... Woman of the Year. Well, it's a multiple, but nonetheless, it's great.
0: Uh, It's actually not the first time. Uh, The first time was, I believe, I could be wrong, this is off the top of my head, but I believe it was 1936 was the first time that uh, Time Magazine had a a, a man of the year, a person of the year be a woman. Uh, But she kind of goes on from there, dodging the question. She doesn't do bad, but... If you scratch below the, the the presentation layer, if you will, Nancy Pelosi is the presentation layer of the Democratic Party. But if you scratch down, there's a lot of different aspects to what is considered the Democratic Party, including the DNC, which is sort of a structure that's gotten a lot of exposure recently – with uh, not only uh, Donna Brazil when she was warning people about dropping malware. Laughing? The hackers are dropping malware into your system. But, of course, during the entire election, it was revealed that they were stacked against Bernie and that they were taking snipe, um, public snipes, I guess they might say, you know, where, where they were trying to frame him as anti-religious or, or something that would come across and play badly in the press. And there were some attempts to uh, to sort of set him up to fail. And then later on... Speaking of Donna, we played this a couple of weeks ago, it was revealed that it was much more stacked than we realized. Of course, the Clinton campaign really had that thing on lockdown. And the main way they controlled the DNC, as you'll recall, was through the budget. You remember this? They set up an agreement where essentially the Clinton campaign had full oversight over the budget. But on top of that, they had the Hillary for America and get ready for Hillary packs. These fundraisers, these external fundraisers that they were using to siphon money away from the rest of the Democratic Party and funnel it into a few consultants and into Hillary's campaign. Causing a lot of Democratic losses in that election. It really hurt the party. And now now there has to be a reckoning. And there's aspects of the party that realize this. There has to be a cleaning up of this horrible mess if they're ever going to win an election again. And this is uh, Ms. Konst, I think is her last name, K-O-N-S-T. And she loses her shit over the DNC budget in this clip.
5: Okay. This smells. This doesn't just smell to the public right now, that the budget of the party was never put before. Forget about the budgetary committee for a second. Put before the people who have a fiduciary responsibility whether it's Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, whether it's Donna Brazil when she was chair, when she was vice chair, or vice chair Ray Buckley, or Jim, Dr. Jim Zogby over here. That's over half the executive committee right there. Had no idea where the money was going. We spent a billion dollars. Oh. Lost the easiest presidential race you could possibly imagine.
0: <laughs> lost the easiest possible presidential race you could imagine. We spent over a billion dollars. She's getting fired up. She's just getting started, too. A
5: billion dollars. Lost the easiest presidential race you could possibly imagine. With joint fundraising agreements. State parties weren't being funded. During the DNC chairs race, there were some state party chairs who said, I'm an acting executive director and I have $3,000 cash on hand. How are you supposed to rebuild the party if you have no idea where that money was spent? And you know what? I did go through FEC filings, and it doesn't look good. It smells. We're talking about close to 700 to $800 million between the joint fundraising agreement and the DNC being spent on five consultants.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's Hillary's money there. That joint fundraising thing that I was just talking about, that's the money that they funneled into the Hillary Clinton campaign and into consultants. Five of them. All of that money. All of that money, 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 money. All those donations, all those chip-in emails. All the going and getting the word out and collecting donations. All the big fat checks that the corporate sponsors wrote. Most of it went to five consultants.
5: 700 to 800 million dollars between the joint fundraising agreement and the DNC being spent on five consultants.
0: (laughs) Can you believe that? No wonder they lost. Holy shit, that's bad.
5: We're talking about close to 700 to 800 million dollars between the joint fundraising agreement and the DNC being spent on five consultants.
0: I agree with the redneck. Uh, I think uh, Fusion GPS made a lot of money, and uh, they were one of the consultants, just one.
5: This is not a public outrage issue. The DNC chairs are upset. The officers are upset, and I don't know who's on the budget and finance committee. I did go to the meeting. It was 15 minutes long, and there was a pie chart that was that was put on screen. But I would, as a Democratic Party member of this commission, we have a duty and people are watching us right now. The number one issue I get asked out in the public by DNC members is, what are you going to do about the budget? It is absolutely ridiculous that we are going to keep a status quo system when it basically says we're going to continue to lose 1,200 seats. Let me describe what losing 1,200 seats looks like or the remaining seats we have. If you're an air Trump, yes, but let's break that down a little bit. If you're in Arizona and you have an pr- pregnancy, pregnancy, you can't go to a Planned Parenthood clinic because it's gone, because that state legislature is lost. So you have to drive over to New Mexico. And if you bleed to death on the way, you know whose fault that is? In my mind, that's a Democratic Party that wasn't funded, recruiting candidates, investing in, in, in local parties. And that is our fault, because we have put that money to the top Consultants. And part of that has to go to the conflicts of interests. Fired up. This is outrageous. It's unethical. It's bad governance. And frankly, it's fucking, excuse me, corruption.
0: Oh.
5: So if we do want to look at this Budget and Finance Committee, I advise, I'm sorry here, I advise that it be an elected Budget and Finance Committee. We have very clear standards of oversight.
0: So they got a reckoning they got to go through. There was a bit of, I will say, positive reception to her message there. Will any action be taken? I don't know. But I am impressed that there did seem to be some positive response. There wasn't just a, oh, God, when is she going to stop talking? There was some encouragement. There was some clapping. Um, I think it's probably a good thing. I think it's. I think uh, it, it hopefully will lead to some really honest, clear changes. We'll see. We'll see. If they don't, they're going to, well they're going to lose.
12: Any agreement with the Palestinian people must preserve Israel's identity as a Jewish state with secure, recognized, defensible
6: borders. And Jerusalem will remain the capital of Israel and it must remain undivided.
0: All right. So let's get into this particular topic. Still firing a lot. A lot of people talking about this still. Not, not as um, heated as it was, but there's still quite a bit of discussion. The U.S. has, of course, been a long ally of Israel, with
1: relations seemingly getting stronger since Donald Trump took office. Now, as Caleb Mopin explains next, there's plenty of intrigue on just how close the ties between Team Trump and Israel really are.
3: Collusion is a popular accusation to throw around these days.
11: And a lot of what we're hearing, working with a foreign government, receiving money, is what the Trump team
9: did with Israel.
0: Now, this is something that doesn't get a lot of talk outside of RT. I don't know if you've noticed that. But it, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's it depending on the outlet, you get vastly different coverage.
13: Israel's response to Palestinian rage. Volleys of choking tear gas to stop protesters furious at President Trump after his decision to recognise Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Riot police on horseback confronting Palestinians. So far, these skirmishes don't amount to much. The question is, will they gather momentum? Are Palestinians prepared for a long campaign of protest? Funerals today for two Hamas militants killed by Israeli warplanes that hit weapons factories. The airstrikes coming just hours after rockets were fired into Israel. Jeez. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas is directing his anger at the U.S. He'll snub Vice President Mike Pence when he visits this month. They have no mandate to give away Jerusalem to an occupying power. <laughs> But street violence and global pressure are unlikely to change President Trump's mind.
0: So yeah, it uh, it has caused uh, quite a bit of uproar, and it continues. Now it seems like the coverage is beginning to drop off pretty sharply this week. Speaking of Fusion GPS, let's go back on that actually for a moment. Let's go back to Fusion GPS and dig into these DOJ official connections to Fusion GPS. <laughs>
12: A pair of Fox News exclusives as we continue our coverage of the Russia collusion investigation, the Trump dossier, and the opposition research firm behind that. Chief Washington correspondent James Rosen has new information tonight on ties between the Justice Department and the people behind the Trump dossier, a connection that's really raising more questions tonight. Good evening, James.
19: Brett, good evening. New disclosures confirmed to Fox News by top investigators on the House Intelligence Committee show that the link between Fusion GPS, the firm behind that anti-Trump dossier, and a top Justice Department official ran deeper than previously known. Fox News was the first to tell you last week about the abrupt demotion on Wednesday of Bruce Ohr, The associate deputy attorney general, who was stripped of that title and his fourth floor office at Maine Justice, amid an ongoing investigation into his contacts with the two leading figures in the controversy over the dossier, meetings that DOJ officials told Fox News Orr had withheld from his superiors. House Intelligence Committee staff uncovered that Orr met last year with both Christopher Steele, the former British spy who authored the dossier with input from Russian sources, and that Orr also met last year with Glenn Simpson, the founder of Fusion GPS, the opposition research firm that paid Mr. Steele with funding from the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Now Fox News has confirmed that Nellie Orr, an academic Russia expert and the wife of Bruce Orr, worked for Fusion GPS last year. Indeed, was paid by the opposition research firm through the summer and fall of 2016 a timeline that places her on the company payroll around the time the dossier was funneled to the FBI and perhaps up through the election, some two weeks after which her husband met secretly with Glenn Simpson. The House Intelligence Committee Chairman Nunes told Fox News in a statement today is looking into all facets of the connections between the Department of Justice and Fusion GPS, including Mr. Orr, unquote. DOJ, which initially claimed that Bruce Orr had been stripped of his top-line duties because he was holding down two jobs at DOJ, and that was, quote, unusual, today had no comment about the revelation that Mrs. Orr worked for Fusion GPS last year. <laughs> Brett.
12: James, quickly, and I know we don't have these answers as this investigation continues, but, but how is it that the top of this investigation, uh, the people in the Department of Justice could not have known that there was any of these ties for so long.
19: Yeah, that's what they've told us, and if that's the case, it wouldn't speak well for them, but it almost defies belief that Bruce Orr, as he was meeting with (laughs) uh, the the principals behind Fusion GPS, wasn't creating some kind of paper trail to alert
0: folks to what he was up to,
19: but we expect to learn more about all of this as the weeks unfold.
0: This will be one of the stories that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets some momentum while we're off the air. Uh, because there's more than just Fox News digging into this. Everybody's favorite, your good buddy, Trey Gowdy, as well.
9: Thank you, Judge Poe. Uh, There are a lot of issues that I would like to ask you about, Mr. Uh, Deputy Attorney General. We had a terrorist incident in New York uh, this week. We have 702 reauthorization that is pending in Congress, uh, gun violence, the opioid epidemic, criminal justice reform. Um, But when I go home to South Carolina this weekend, trust me when I tell you, no one is going to ask me about any of those issues. They're going to ask me, what in the hell is going on with the Department of Justice and the FBI? The reason we have special counsel, this is a very important point, and you know it, the reason we have special counsel is because of a conflict of interest. The regulation itself specifically makes reference to a conflict of interest. And we don't like conflicts of interest because it undercuts people's confidence in both the process and the result. So so let's be really clear why we have special counsel. There was either a real or perceived conflict of interest that we were fearful would either impact the result or people's confidence in the process. That's why we have something called special counsel, and that's why we have special counsel in this fact pattern. And then lo and behold, uh, those who are supposed to make sure there um, are no conflicts of interest seem to have a few of their own. Uh, There's a senior prosecutor who sent obsequious emails to a fact witness. She can be described as nothing other than a fact witness. She's a really important fact witness if you pursue the line of inquiry that my Democrat friends want to pursue. They got off of collusion and now they're on obstruction of justice. She may be the most important fact witness in an obstruction of justice case. And the senior prosecutor for this conflict of interest free special counsel sent a fawning, obsequious email to a fact witness. And then we have prosecutors assigned to conduct this investigation who donated almost exclusively to one candidate over another. And then we have a prosecutor assigned to this conflict of interest free team that attended what was supposed to be, what he'd hoped to be, a victory party for Secretary Clinton. And we have a senior DOJ official, Mr. Deputy Attorney General, with an office that used to be two doors down from yours, meeting with Fusion GPS, and Fusion GPS, of course, was paying for Russian dirt on the very person that they're supposed to be objectively investigating. And then that same senior DOJ official's wife, the one that met with Fusion GPS, his wife was on the payroll of Fusion GPS. And then we have a senior agent assigned to investigate Secretary Clinton's email, helped draft the exoneration letter where we changed the language from grossly negligent to extremely careless, interviewed Secretary Clinton in an interview I've never seen and I doubt you have either in your career as a prosecutor. (laughs) interviewed Michael Flynn, who was actively involved in the investigation into the Trump campaign before the inspector general found his text. So this win. agent in the middle of almost everything related to Secretary Clinton and President Trump sent pro-Clinton texts, anti-Trump texts to his paramour in response to being told maybe he is where he is to protect the country from that menace, Donald Trump. He said, I can protect our country at many levels. And then he said Hillary Clinton should win $100 million to nothing. Now, think about that, Mr. Deputy Attorney General.
0: <laughs> you get where he's going with this. Um, yeah, I wonder if maybe more – I doubt. I doubt, but I wonder if there may be more movement – while we're off the air. Something else that uh, I'm sure we'll have some more movement while we're off the air for the next couple of weeks is those California wildfires.
6: Tonight, this epic firefight spans 200 miles from San Diego to Santa Barbara and Ventura County, a staggering 400 structures, destroyed. i got to stay for my vehicle. Firefighter Dave Magdaleno was at home with family when these flames came to his doorstep. His wife and children evacuated. He stayed behind with a garden hose.
0: I'm used to it. It's what I do for a living.
6: With the burn zone the size of the city of Chicago, six major fires are raging. The Thomas fire is the largest and most destructive. At the Creek and Liberty fires, evacuations lifted. San Diego's Lilac Fire, where at least 65 homes were lost, near Camp Pendleton, the Marines and the Navy answered the call to duty, deploying helicopters.
14: It, it, it was off. It was horrible. I don't know what else to say.
6: The air attack held back the Rye Fire near Six Flags Magic Mountain. 212,000 residents driven from their
9: homes by the Santa Ana winds that haven't stopped. When a a tornado hits the Midwest, there's no stopping it. When a hurricane hits the East Coast, there's no stopping it. When the Santa Ana winds come in, there's no stopping them.
0: The flames destroyed Eric Allison's home. Man, it's just awful, isn't it? It really is just, uh, it's just, usually by now it's wrapped up. So it's just, that's why I think, um, I think that's why I think it just, it seems like, wow, I can't believe it's still going. There was uh, one more story regarding the whole uh, Mueller investigation team. I'd like to slip that in, not to bounce around on you guys a a bunch in the overtime, but I do want to slip this in. It's from Daily Caller. I saved it for the overtime for you.
15: A pattern of bias on Mueller's team is revealed after anti-Trump text messages between FBI and Mueller's prosecutors are uncovered. Peter Stroke, deputy head of counterintelligence at the FBI, exchanged anti-Trump and pro-Hillary Clinton text messages with Jill Page, his mistress and FBI lawyer who worked briefly on the Russia investigation.
0: Yeah, Jill Page, that's the name there. Okay, so and I think most of the details you're up to speed on. Let's go back to net neutrality too while we're bouncing around just because I wanted to cap out the net neutrality coverage in the overtime with a bit of an alternate take on the net neutrality story. It's interesting to see how the different networks try to tell what net neutrality is.
16: There's a big vote this week in the fight for the open Internet. Five FCC commissioners, three Republicans and two Democrats are scheduled to vote Thursday on a plan to dismantle so-called net neutrality protections. Roxana Saberi now on what's at stake. Michael Muyo says his two tech companies rely on the Internet to provide research to stock exchanges like the Nasdaq.
3: All the information, everything that we provide for our clients, we pretty much live and breathe through the Internet.
16: That's why he's concerned about a plan by the Trump administration to roll back rules known as net neutrality, aimed at ensuring equal access to the Internet. The Obama era rules bar Internet service providers from slowing or stopping Internet traffic or charging more for faster speeds. CNET's Roger Chang. They're prioritizing traffic that they want to see prioritized and slowing down and blocking traffic on sites that may not
19: be willing to either pay a premium.
16: FCC chairman Ajit Pai told CBS News in the spring the current rules stifle investment.
19: Because those regulations are so prescriptive, many companies, big and small, have told us that they are holding back on investment
0: in their Internet networks. Do you see the way he nods, too? He looks like a fool. Uh, in their Internet networks. And he sounds like one, too. No wonder this is all going on. So the net neutrality regulations, which are basically things that are taken from extremely, extremely old rules that were designed for phone systems, the common carrier status, essentially he's saying that this extremely vague and out-of-date rule is too specific for the carrier's and it's prevented them from investing in their internet's tubes and so therefore if we remove these extremely vague rules the common carry rules then they'll have more internets to invest in (sighs) if that is true um i wish he could have said it in a way that sounded halfway intelligent like he was truly fundamentally up to speed on this issue, actually rather passionate about it, and advocating a position because he truly believed it. Instead, he sounds like a moron who can barely even remember the talking points that his assistant gave to him before he sat down in the chair.
16: The current rules stifle investment.
0: Because those regulations are so prescriptive, many companies, big and
19: small, have told us that they are holding back on investment in their Internet networks. But
16: the proposed repeal of net neutrality has sparked protests on Capitol Hill. take action and online. Critics worry that providers like Comcast and Verizon could charge Internet giants like Netflix and Google more for faster connections, and those costs could be passed on to consumers. And Muyo says smaller companies like his won't be able to afford faster connections.
0: If it becomes more expensive, they might go into a different business or decide to start in a different country, and we really don't want to see that.
16: Internet service providers have said they don't have plans to block or restrict access or content on the internet. Do you not trust them?
11: I think they're just gonna charge more for premium access.
16: And if you pay more, you pass that cost on to your clients and your customers. I have to. FCC commissioners are set to vote on the proposal on December 14th is expected to pass along party lines mm. Roxana Saberi, CBS News
0: New York hey everybody have a net neutrality party tomorrow huh let me know how it goes let me know while we're busting media apart a little bit uh, I gotta cover a story that matters a lot to me personally I've never I don't think maybe that's not true maybe once before maybe I covered the story on the show because I know to most of you it's like well who cares But there's a bigger meta story going on that they that the media completely misses. And I'm going to point it out to you. And it turns out I'm a bit authoritative on the subject matter.
3: Finally, tonight, Americans are hitting the
0: road in RVs. Sales this year top half a million, the highest in nearly four decades. Dean Reynolds now on the RV boom and what's driving it. Now, if you want to do a little experiment, you could go Google News search or, or Bing or whatever you want. Um, duck, duck. Uh millennial RV purchases or uh, glamping trends and you'll see all of these articles that expouse about how uh, whimsical millennials want to hit the road and see nature and retirees want to go out and meet people and join the communities on the road and it's this um, America's spending money again kind of approach. Hoorah! Americans are rich the economy's up and they're buying real expensive high-end fancy RVs.
18: This part of northern Indiana is the birthplace for 85% of all the motor coaches in this country. And they can't seem to build them fast enough. The lots at Jayco, a subsidiary of Thor Industries, are lined with all kinds of RVs.
0: Funny enough, my first RV was a Jayco.
18: Selling for $15,000 on up. Way up. We opted for the cavernous luxury of the Integra model with Thor CEO Bob Martin.
0: Now also funny. Uh now my new RV, the one I've had for 2 years that I live in, so I guess it's not new anymore. Uh is a Thor Challenger. So <laughs> I uh this is this is not exactly what my place looks like, but uh, you get the basic idea.
18: Yeah, this is I think the seven hundred and one thousand, but one of your oh. assistants told me I could drive it away for six hundred and ninety
0: nine. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is where we get we make jokes about really expensive big rigs that Americans buy because they're extra rich right now. Everybody's so rich. Give you a deal.
18: <laughs> on board there are couches, cabinets, a fridge.
0: Oh, mention the TVs a couple of times. Come on, mention the TVs.
3: A fireplace. The TVs. And more. Oh. People love to travel with their own their own bedding their own linens their their own showers. showers mention the tvs Five TVs. Oh.
0: Five tvs
18: during the great recession unemployment in this region was close to 20 percent.
0: oh see they start to get close here don't they you see where i'm going with this they get there almost so close so close jeff so close let's back it up
18: during the Great Recession, unemployment in this region was close to 20%. Today, it's 2%.
0: Oh, oh okay. So this is uh, this is where we start to build our our little uh, narrative and it goes something like this. You see the economy's back up because the Great Recession is over. You see, he used it he used the he the term is listen, he's past tense here.
18: During the Great Recession, unemployment in this region was close to 20
0: percent. But now the Great Recession is over, my friends. It is over. And here, we're selling so many RVs that unemployment is low. Ergo, unemployment is low everywhere.
18: Today, it's 2 percent. Matt Lester was once laid off, but is now a foreman.
0: See, the part that they're missing is there's a correlation between the 2008 economy crash and the increase in RV purchases. There is a very, very, very close correlation here.
12: Things have loosened up a lot. It's, it, we've come a long way in the industry. We really have. This
18: Jayco warehouse will soon need 400 more workers at starting salaries near $50,000 a year. Nearby Elkhart, once down on its luck, is now high on the hog with a bustling downtown and a local KFC offering a $150 hiring bonus.
0: Come on, assholes, why don't you have jobs? Come on, it's so easy.
18: So what's driving the revived RV industry? Oh,
0: here we go. Now we're going to get to the nut of it. Low interest rates and gas prices and a renewed wanderlust. Oh, and that's where they miss the mark. You see, what's great about this is they're they're not entirely inaccurate. Because obviously, this is going to be true for a sizable, wealthy portion of the market. So you can just sort of hyper focus in on a singular anecdotal story and make it sound like it represents all of the buyers.
9: I just love being on the road. Andy
18: Littlejohn added something else
0: romance of the road, uh, meeting new people. That's that. Oh, of course. We got to get that meme in there. It's very important.
18: At a time of deep divisions in this country, Americans may once again find common ground on the road.
0: That part is true. It's been I've actually I didn't didn't get into the RV for beating people. Uh, but you get you get sort of in this judgment-free zone when you go to an RV park. Everybody's just there to have their weekend or whatever and doesn't matter if you come in a $5,000 rig or doesn't matter if you come in a $100,000 rig or a $10,000 rig or whatever. Um but Let's back up here. These things are selling like crazy for one reason and one reason alone. People can't afford homes. See, they can't buy. It is in Washington state. It is significantly cheaper for me to live in an RV that I can drive around and move that has chairs, that has a full kitchen, that has televisions, that has a bed, that has all of the things that I would have to go put on credit to have. So if I got an apartment, I would not only be spending more than it costs for me to own my RV by a lot, but then I would have to put all that stuff on payments because I can't just go out and buy couches and beds and beds for my kids and all of the kitchen appliances or or at least the ones that maybe wouldn't be an apartment if I got an apartment or a condo. It's It's just financially – infeasible for me, not to mention I don't want to maintain a place. I don't want to have to do a lot of cleaning. I want a small space that's quick to put together. It's quick to clean. And I don't want to have to pay for utilities. I don't want to have to maintain a yard. It's none of those things are things that I presently have time for. I, I would hope that in in a few years when my life calms down, when I'm not working so much, I would have time for hobbies like a garden or maintaining a yard. And then my requirements would change. But at present, I don't even have time to hassle with a cable bill or a garbage bill or a phone bill. Like, no, I don't deal with any of that stuff. And I have 300 square feet that I have to worry about at best. And it's cheaper than an apartment. It's cheaper than buying. It's it's cheaper than a, in a condo it is. For me, it is financially viable, and it also then allows me to go on the road, to take my family places, to produce shows from the road. Like I have, there's a lot of other benefits as well. None of them started because I had this uh, crazy extra amount of money and I just wanted to go buy a big expensive rig. I looked at my options and I said, geez, I all of a sudden am in the need to get a place to live that I didn't expect for the next 25, 30 years to happen, and I have to come up with something quick. This happens to a lot of people. I took, when I took my first RV trip to go see Noah, like my first serious one in my Jayco, I didn't plan to like try living in it. I, I was on the road. And when I, on my way back, I was like, well, where am I going to store this thing? You know, I'll go store it at the campsite for a little bit that I was staying at. And I'll just camp there for a few nights. And then I'll figure out what storage facility I'm going to go pay a monthly fee to park my RV in so then I can go get an apartment. That was my thinking while I was on my road trip back from North Dakota. I, and I, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go when I get home from North Dakota, I'm going to go get an apartment. And, uh, and then I'm going to go buy all my stuff and I'm going to get a monthly storage facility. And on the road trip, two weeks or whatever it was on the road, I'm like, geez, this is great. This has everything I want in it. It's a great size for me. So I went and camped in it for a little bit. I'm like, well, why don't I just keep camping in it? And then I, then I camped for a few more months and a few more months. And then I got pretty far into it. I went, shit, this is something I think I want to do. And then I upgraded to a class A while my uh, RV was still basically worth the same value that I had paid for it. It was a travel trailer, and it was used, and it was just a great transition vehicle. But it's a practical thing, and I know I'm not alone, because I meet people that are in the same exact situation everywhere I go in the RV. I have people that listen to this show that are in that situation, and we correspond so this isn't just like why my, my one story. This is, this is me meeting people over and over and over and over again for the last three years hearing this same story in their version of it, but it's the same moral. But these dumb shits on the news, and it's, it's really bad in the written press. This is where you see it all the time. They espouse about ridiculous, reckless, whimsical millennials and rich retirees who've done everything right in their life and now they're minimizing to an rv and they they expose and they just exp- they, they they just expose their bias they're they they can not help but see it through their establishment filter and see the story they want let's do a little more uh, establishment filter breaking let's uh let's do a little uh, pot story a little uh, marijuana debate apparently from i think this is a local news i caught
10: Two public employees have been fired after being busted for growing marijuana in their home and dealing it. We wanted to know just how widespread the use of the drug is. News Channel 15's Angelica Robinson joins us now with more on what she's learned.
14: Police officers are seeing marijuana on a daily basis, during traffic stops, responding to emergency calls, and even during day-to-day encounters. Although some people say the drug is harmless and it should be legal, others disagree. It's been an ongoing debate for decades. Should marijuana be legal?
0: Well, it's already legal in
3: 29 states for medicine. Not one of these states has rescinded.
14: David Culp, a self-proclaimed cannabis advocate, says yes. He's a part of the group Normal, which advocates for legalizing medical and recreational marijuana. Culp is one of many outraged by the arrest of Todd and Michelle Graft, two public employees who are accused of having a 47-plant marijuana grow in their home. I mean,
0: it's what it is. It is the law. And I mean, you know, if you get busted with growing it, but it should be just like tomatoes or just like anything else you grow. It's just a plant.
14: Experts argue, though, that it can be addictive. There are people who remember in their younger days, maybe decades ago, when they experimented with it, nothing bad happened. What a lot of our older adults don't realize is we're not
0: talking about the
14: same substances.
0: Oh, I love this one. So this is one of my favorite things. So you see, today's pot ain't like last year's pot kids. You see, back when I was a kid, pot only had 7% THC, as if they had any fucking idea. As if they had, how many, how many people do you suppose smoking pot back in the 70s were taking a spectral analysis to their cannabis plant and looking at the frickin' THC content? So first of all, that, the, the, the assumption is, is just completely bought. Whole cloth people, okay, yeah, I'll buy that stupid bullshit you want to feed me. And then they move from there to, and now today's pot, you see, they got a lot more of the same exact thing. hmm So, you know, it's dangerous. You know, if you're crazy, it's going to make you way more crazy because it has more. And more makes it worse. Well, what's the difference? So you have one pole instead of 15 poles. It's like when you get a drink that has 5% alcohol versus 43% alcohol. You can have one shot or you could have like six of those drinks with 5% alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same. It's not the same thing because one's ingestion and one's inhaling. But – it's not as if it's a weaponized THC. So say you get a piece of, uh, piece of cannabis like uh, ground up in a – and you look at it and you're analyzing and go, holy shit, this thing has 25% THC. Well, first of all, great buy. Good job. Second thing about that is what are you measuring it against? What's the benchmark? What's the baseline? What should the average plant be? What should it be? What should that number be? Should it be 10? Should it be 7? Should it have been 20? 22? No, not 25, though. You see, we don't have any standards here because we don't allow anybody to actually experiment or test with this stuff because, oh, my God, it's a boogeyman, so don't you dare put it in your body because if you do, we'll destroy your family and put you in jail.
14: Jerry Lurch says in the 70s, marijuana may have contained only 10% THC. May have. Maybe. Don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Now it's anywhere from 17 to 34%. Oh, but definitely not 5% or lower.
0: And there's concern it could lead people to experiment with other drugs. You know what you could do? Oh, here's an idea. Legalize it. Now, follow me here. If you legalize it, then you go into the store and you buy the one you want with the right percentage. You go in there, and you could buy you could buy a very low dosage. You could actually get joints with 2% THC if you go in there and ask him for that. But no, if you make it illegal, then you have to be a dumb shit on the street buying a bag from a dealer. And by the way, that dealer's probably got a bunch of other shit you can buy, too. Again, if you make it legal, they can buy whatever they want with the percentage that they want. And they're not buying it from the guy who also happens to sell Coke and anything else you might want.
1: It's not uncommon to find other uh, illicit narcotics in their possession as well. Heroin, meth, uh,
0: prescription medication. See, this is where the gateway drug fallacy comes from. It's a gateway drug in the sense that it is a gateway to a relationship with a salesman who wants to sell you his product. This is where the gateway aspect of pot comes in. It's not that cannabis has some sort of molecular connector that unhinges all of your drug desires and makes you want to consume drugs at a maniac pace. Trust me. That's not how it works. What it does is it, it gets you in a position where you're buying a product from somebody who sells a lot of illegal things maybe maybe not always but very very often and you force them into that position when you give them no legal channel to buy it their uh, illicit narcotics in their possession as well heroin meth uh,
1: prescription medication
14: despite criticism of the state's marijuana laws Galvez says officers are just doing their jobs
1: whether it's a, a hand-rolled cigarette containing marijuana
0: or a, a bundle of marijuana in the trunk you know, our, our troopers are bound by their oath and by state law to in- enforce that. You can hear in his voice even, even though it's law, he you can hear. He's like, but I. this is what we have to do. I know inside it's stupid, but this is what we have to do. I know. You can hear. You can hear that sort of explanational tone. Um so now while we're on the uh, why we're on the pot train uh, let's stick with another pot bust.
6: This morning, Cape Coral police say a traffic stop ended with two men arrested and hundreds of grams of marijuana being taken off Of southwest Florida streets Investigators say they stopped these two guys Leo Sanchez and Lane Fossey The second going 80 miles per hour on Veterans Parkway During the stop, a canine alerted officers To two large vacuum-sealed bags of marijuana Weighing a combined total of nearly 450 grams Both men are charged with possession
0: So there you go You see that picture too? (laughs) That's pretty hilarious, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, I, I got I got one more clip to wrap us up. The overtime. I'm trying to keep it a little tighter these days. This one's going a little long. I'd like your feedback. I know I know some of you are going to say overtime any length is good, but I, I feel like if you if we keep it to like 30 minutes and it doesn't add this huge amount of extra file. So I've already gone over that. Um, but there's a story this week that I had to suffer through, and so I just want to share a moment of it with you. And. You know, I don't do this very often, guys, but this is my last clip of the year of our at least our planned shows. And I just want to give you a small, tiny, itsy bitsy fractional taste of what it's like to be producer Matt and Chris all week long and the things that we have to watch so you don't have to
15: couple minutes left here. How about this? What does a day in the life of President Trump look like uh, on one level? The New York Times giving us some insight, including his daily regimen of watching up to eight hours of TV and drinking as many as 12 Diet Cokes. So-
0: of course, Trump disputed this um, um, on Twitter and uh, in an interview. That didn't stop them from not running it. Um, they are just kept going with it. They just kept going and going. Every time I turned on CNN for hours, they'd be talking about this. But I thought, Brooke, Brooke really took it all the way.
15: Dr. Samantha Nazareth joins me now. She is a board-certified gastroenterologist. And so we have got, just to show everyone, it's one thing to say 12 Diet Cokes, 12 Diet Cokes, right? If we're saying, according to The Times, that he drinks this many, what does this do to the brain and the body? (laughs)
0: <laughs> what does it do? What's wrong with him?
15: Is it eating his brain? What's happening? According to the Times, that he drinks this many, <laughs> what does this do to, to the brain and the body?
0: <laughs> oh man, Brooke. Digging for stories, trolling for stories. That, ladies and gentlemen, right there, I present you is a trolling for stories. <laughs> All right, listen. I appreciate you tuning in this whole damn year. Have a great holidays. I'm sure we've said all of this before in the past, which is now the future for me, but the present for you. Wow. I think I just broke the universe on that one.
15: is due to, to the brain and the body.